you're listening to the 80th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we sing with Bing Crosby and the Pittsburgh Pirates, fly our jetpack across Southern California with the LA Dodgers and the LA Angels, and find Michael Gibbons with the Chicago Cubs. But first, in my hand, I have a delicious beer that I've already started drinking called In the Holler, Landier Dark from a good American brewery called Vabrissa Beer in Front Royal, Virginia. I want to talk about the Front Royal Cardinals of the Valley Baseball League. And if those of you remember, we talked about the Valley Baseball League back in episode 76. The Valley Baseball League is a summer collegiate league, which means that all the players in the league are still in college, but they're playing in the summer when the season's over, and they're also playing with wood bats. And the Scouts say that this is a good way for them, professional scouts say it's a good way for them to see players against playing against higher competition, than, and it's almost kind of like a regional college all-star league. So good for those young men who are playing in the Valley Baseball League. And did you know that the Front Royal Cardinals have been playing since 1984 in a place called Bing Crosby Stadium? For those of you who don't know, Bing Crosby is the famed singer and actor and a great businessman, an acute business mind as well. If you don't know him, your mom, your grandma, your grandpa, your uncle, they probably know him. They probably love him. The guy sold half a billion records in his lifetime. You or your parents or your family probably have a Christmas record laying around somewhere. I actually have two Bing Crosby Christmas records in my record collection. (laughs) Now, why in the world would a big shot like Bing Crosby have a stadium named after him? Frankly, in the middle of nowhere, Front Royal. Virginia. Well, that's because in 1949, way back in 1949, Bing Crosby, the big shot singer said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to show up to your local recreation association because the the local recreation association was looking to have a fundraiser to help build a stadium. And on April 1st, 1950, the town held Bill, uh, Bill, Bing Crosby Day. Which is which with a giant parade and Crosby made appearances all over Front Royal. Ultimately, the town raised six thousand five hundred dollars, and Crosby donated the the remainder of the money, which was needed for the stadium, of a thousand dollars. Back then, a thousand dollars would be the equivalent of twelve thousand dollars today. Bing Crosby Day was actually on April Fools, April first. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if Bing Crosby? To pull the ultimate April Fool's joke on them prank, he would say, hey, I'm not showing up. Yeah, he actually wouldn't have shown up on April 1st. He's like, come on, guys. I'm a big Hollywood star. I'm a big singer. Would you expect me to be in this podunk town? <laughs> I'm joking. That's pretty awesome of Bing Crosby to show up in Front Royal, Virginia, because Front Front Royal, Bing Crosby, if I remember correctly, he actually is from Washington State, which is like five trillion miles away from Virginia. But to bring it back to the 21st century... Did you know as well that Bing Crosby owned 25% of the Pittsburgh Pirates? He bought into them in 1946, and he he was a minority owner until he died in 1977, so basically 30 years. And he also owned a very small share of the Detroit Tigers. He actually bought $1,000 worth of shares in the Detroit Tigers, which today is about $10,000. But when... Bing Crosby bought his 25% slice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates are worth about $2.25 million. And in today's money, that's $34 million. $34 million for a baseball team. 
I could almost have afforded a baseball team in the 1950s, but not really. <laughs> Speaking of the Pirates, you don't think Pirate fans would want the dead corpse of the great crooner, Bing Crosby, to own the team over the current owner, Robert Nutting, a.k.a. Bottom Line Bill. Bottom Line Bill. Bottom Line Bob. <laughs> That's Robert Nutting's nickname that people, because the Pirate fans don't like him. Bottom line, Bob, Robert Nutting, he's owned the Pirates since 2007, which is what, the 30th anniversary? Yeah, the 30th anniversary of when Bing Crosby died, because Bing Crosby owned the team for 30 years. God forbid Robert Nutting ends up owning the Pittsburgh Pirates for 30 years. I think baseball would just basically die in Pittsburgh. The reason why Robert Nutting is known as bottom line Bob is because he people criticize him because he doesn't put profits to invest back into the team. Basically, the only way that the team keeps the lights on and funds payroll is using the stadium revenues like ticket sales, parking, and concession stands. Pittsburgh Pirates fans, that's basically where your $27 beer goes to, to fund the payroll. Because all he cares about, bottom line Bob, is again, putting keeping the lights on and putting warm bodies out in the field. Notice I'm saying warm bodies. It's, it's, it's not the Pirates' fault. It's bottom line Bob. Bottom line Bob does not invest a single cent of profit into the club. Not one red cent. Check this out. At the beginning of the year, the Pittsburgh Pirates were 28th out of 30 teams in payroll. In 2021, they were last. They paid the least amount of money overall to the players. In 2020, they were 29th. In 2019, bottom line, Bob splurged and the Pittsburgh Pirates were in 27th place in payroll. You're sensing a theme here. In 2018, the Pittsburgh Pirates were 27th in payroll. In 2017, the Pittsburgh Pirates were 23rd. We're not going to go all the way back till the, to the beginning of time here. 2003 was the last time that the Pittsburgh Pirates were in the 20s when it came to payroll. They actually came in in 19th place for their payroll back in 2003. And that's in Bob Sterling or Bob Sterling. What am I talking about? Bottom line, Bob was not yet the majority owner. What irritates baseball fans like me, maybe baseball fans like you, is that Bottom line, Bob, Robert Nutting, he's yet another baseball owner welfare queen. Kind of like Rob Castelleni, who's the owner of the Cincinnati Reds. We talked about these baseball owners who are actual welfare queens back in episode 68. Basically, they take money from teams who invested and are successful. The reason Robert Nutting, the reason why Rob Castellini... And the rest of the welfare queens and the, uh, the baseball owners are able to do this is because baseball does not have a salary cap. We kind of know that. They, kind of, they do, but they don't. It's called the competitive balance tax, where if you go over a certain threshold, your payroll, all of your salaries added up together for your team. If any team goes over that, that team has to pay a tax. And the team is taxed at a certain rate, depending on how many consecutive years they've gone over this designated limit. So all this... It's called a competitive balance tax. All that money is, in, is, is collected in a pool, and half of that money is then redistributed to owners of the teams who did not exceed the limit. Corporate socialism. You're right, my friend. People like Rob Castellini and Robert Nutting, they don't put any money. They don't, they don't put any money. That's wrong. They don't invest in the team. They don't go anywhere. They don't go to the playoffs. Then they complain that people aren't coming to the games but they keep collecting checks from people who, other owners who are actually looking to win, who are actually investing in their team. And then they play the small market card. 
Rob Castellini can say, well, I, I own a team in Cincinnati. We're not that big of a market. Robert Nutting can say, well, I own a team in Pittsburgh. It's not that big of a market. So that's the reason why we can't pay. No, wrong. That has nothing to do with it. All that TV money you're putting in your pocket. Like they're literally putting it in their pocket. All the money from the competitive balance act that they receive, put it in their pocket. All the new revenue streams that the owners are getting from gambling, the, the non-fungible tokens that we talked about, non-fungible tokens, uh, yeah, NFTs that we talked about last year, all of the digital, all the new digital money is going right into their pocket. They don't put a single penny back into the team. And you feel bad for fans of the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Arizona Diamondbacks, etc. And I know you're going to be shocked when I tell you this, but the Pittsburgh Pirates haven't been to the playoffs since 2015. The Pirates are currently in fourth place in the National League Central Division, 12 and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. The Pirates have the worst run differential in the entire Major League Baseball at negative 131. That means the Pirates have been outscored total by 131 runs. They don't have any offense. They've only hit, they've hit 89 home runs, which is in 14th place, right in the middle of the pack. But they've only scored 301 runs, which is 28th out of 30 teams. That tells you that no one is getting on base. Like no one, when they're hitting these home runs, they're probably all solo home runs or at best two run home run. No one's getting on base. On the flip side, the pitching staff, collectively, they have a 1.44 whip, which means that there's basically every single inning that the, that the Pirates are pitching or on defense, one and a half players of the opposing team gets on base every single inning. That's insane. Obviously, they're 28th in the league when it comes to whip, the whip statistic. So let me give you even more bad news. <laughs> Poor Pittsburgh Pirates. They've lost. They've, what, they've lost. The Pirates have won only. They've only won six of the last 15 games. And in some of those losses, the Pirates have been bludgeoned to death. In the past two weeks, they've lost games by the scores of 14 to 5, 19 to 2, and 16 to nothing. There's very little hope with the Pittsburgh Pirates. As, as long as bottom line Bob continues to own the team. And you know what? I've actually only heard good things about PNC Park where the Pirates play. I hear it's beautiful, great atmosphere. What am I talking about? Great atmosphere. No one goes. I actually have gone to the Pittsburgh Pirates spring training facility in Bradenton, Florida when I watched the Atlanta Braves play them about three years ago. And it's kind of, from what I understand, they actually built their spring training facility, state the stadium in Bradenton, Florida to kind of resemble PNC Park. Again, I've never been to PNC Park, but I'd love to go. And I hope to go when the Atlanta Braves are in town. I've read, I've seen videos and TV that you can actually see the three rivers in Pittsburgh from your seat. And you can probably take a picture and show everyone on social media that you were watching the terrible Pittsburgh Pirates play while you drink a $27 beer. And you know what? When I'm at PNC Park, I'm going to take pictures of three rivers, of the three rivers, and I'm also going to post it on the social media account. Because our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. We're going to take pictures of the three rivers in Pittsburgh and then fly across the country to take pictures of the Los Angeles River. Did you know that last year there was some kind of jet Pac-Man? Jet Pac-Man. Jet Pac-Man. <laughs> a man with a jet pack. There you go. Or allegedly a Jack, Jack Skellington balloon flying around Los Angeles. They... They've spotted this jetpack man or a Jack Skellington balloon flying over Beverly Hills. If you don't know, that's where the rich people live in L.A. And listen, if rich people have a problem with it, then it's everyone's problem. 
That's how America works, baby, okay? Then the Jetpack Man or the Jack Skellington balloon was spotted over Culver City. And they've spotted this thing over LAX, Los Angeles Airport X. There's no reason for the X. I don't know why they had it added that there. Flying over LAX or through by LAX. To refresh your memory, Jack Skellington is the main character from Tim Burton's 1993 film Nightmare Before Christmas. Again, a wonderful Christmas movie. Last week I asked you, was Die Hard, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say, eh, I don't care if it is, it's a great movie. But is Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie? Of course it is. It's not a Halloween movie. It's Christmas. Okay, before this turns into a Rotten Tomatoes podcast, back to the Jetpack Man or this balloon. Because the authorities, they got they had enough of this clown or this balloon. And the authorities conducted an investigation into Jetpack Man. And the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, and the FBI said it's actually a balloon. I say, wait, 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 wait. A balloon like Roswell? A weather balloon? (laughs) That, my friends, is the TV theme of Unsolved Mysteries. I love that show. But anyways, usually they, they're saying that the... <laughs> they're saying... The F, FAA and the FBI said that usually this unidentified flying object flies around... Flies between 5,000 to 6,000 feet. And that's 1,524 meters to 100... 100... 1,828 meters for you fancy people. Ross Amir, who was a retired airplane pilot and an aviation consultant, said, quote, There's a very good possibility the previous ones were also balloons and pilots mistook them as jetpacks, end quote. I think that Ross Amir is part of big aviation and he's trying to cover this up. The jetpack or Jack Skellington balloon mystery reminds me, unidentified flying object, it, this, this whole episode, this whole thing reminds me of the, 19, the late 1970s and early 1980s TV series, Chips. You remember the two police officers on motorcycles, driving around, solving crimes, cooking up with women. That was my amazing rendition of the Chips theme song. In episode five, ep- episode five, in season five, episode 21, which aired way back in 1982. This is a very retro 1980s podcast. The episode was called the, the Game of War. And in the episode, a bunch of soldiers were basically playing war games all over Los Angeles. And one of the soldiers used a jetpack to escape. I think he I think he came out of a van and he like just escaped or he touched down and then he got in the van and went somewhere else. Anyways, the point is that they used a jetpack back in 1982. Who knew that Chips was so far ahead that they could see the future? What would happen in Los Angeles 40 years later? All right, enough about the FAA, the FBI, the cop shows from the late 70s and early, and early 80s. Because since we're already in L.A., let's not leave. It's a beautiful place because we can talk about the Dodgers. And the Los Angeles Dodgers are in first place in the National League West Division. They have the best record in all of the National League. They're six games ahead of the San Diego Padres. They have the best run differential in the National League. 
They've outscored their opponents by 146 runs. And the Dodgers, as always, have tremendous depth. Every single year, basically, for the past decade, they've had all-stars backing up all-stars. For some reason, though, this year, I feel different about it. I don't know. Maybe it's the juju in the air. I don't know what it is. But I think probably the best young pitcher in the National League, right-handed pitcher, Walker Bueller, he's out until August, maybe September. He has an elbow injury. Not only is he out, but other Dodgers pitchers out with injury are Tommy Kane, Kane uh, Tommy Kane, Tommy Canley, Canley, Victor, Victor Gonzalez, Daniel Hudson, Dustin May, etc., etc., etc. Third baseman Edwin, Edwin Rios, he's out for months. Who knows how long he's going to be? He's probably out for as well two, three months. He has a serious hamstring issue. By the way, Rios played college baseball at Florida International University of Miami. We've talked about them a lot recently. I told you that Manny Machado was actually committed to FIU, but of course he's too good to be play, to be playing college baseball. On the mend with the Dodgers, you also have center fielder Kevin Pillar. He's out for the season. Recently, left fielder Chris Taylor out with a broken left foot, but the Dodgers being the Dodgers. They have nine players with an OPS plus over 100. The OPS plus is just on base plus slugging, and 100 is the league average. And so they have nine players who are well above league average. And of course, you have first baseman Freddie Freeman and the right fielder Mookie Betts. They have the two highest OPS plus on the Dodgers. In pitching, only one of their starting pitchers has a whip above 1.20. Only one. And that is the injured Walker Bueller. Maybe they didn't need him after all. <laughs> That's really good. By the way, all of this is the complete opposite of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have a terrible pitching whip, who have can't hit they can't hit they can't score (laughs) oh god but at least they have three nice rivers to look at and in LA you only have one river I think the Dodgers are going to be just fine for this regular season they're going to win the national the National League West Division comfortably but I have a feeling that in the playoffs the Dodgers are just going to be missing something I don't know what it is I can't identify it but I just am not totally sold on this 2022 Dodgers teams. Like, I've been sold on them for the past five years or so. By the way, the Dodgers have a pretty favorable schedule from now until the end of July because the only team they face that's over 500 from now until the end of July, the St. Louis Cardinals. So the Dodgers' six-game lead over the San Diego Padres is probably going to get even bigger by the time we get to August. I'll tell you what. Instead of sitting in horrific traffic for two hours on the I-5, let's take our jetpack or weather balloon or unidentified flying object, if you believe the FAA and the FBI. unsolved mysteries theme man that was a scary show when it was at its height in the late 80s and early 90s the music the voice the unsolved mysteries or some of the i think a lot of times they didn't even solve any of the mysteries they did sometimes but a lot of times it was just like oh my god we live in a horrible world (laughs) anyways anyways we're in our jetpacks keep your eyes on the horizon we're flying down to anaheim to watch the los angeles angels stop me if you've heard this before What a disappointing season for the Angels. 
arguably the Los Angeles Angels have two of the best players in the entire league. They have all galaxy player Shohei Otani, tremendous pitcher, tremendous batter, and all solar system player Mike Trout. But the Angels are in fourth place in the American League West division, 17 games behind the Houston Astros. And the and the Angels actually started the season pretty well. They started out 27 and 17, and now they've only have 38 wins, 46 losses, sausages, 46 losses. That means this is quick fourth grade math. That means they've only won 11 games and have lost 29 games since that 27 and 17 start. The last time the Angels made the playoffs, you were probably watching films like Interstellar, The Imitation Game, Gone Girl, John Wick. Yes, 2014, eight years ago. And it's it's a head scratcher because the Angels have five players who have an OPS plus higher than 100. Obviously, the incredible all solar system Mike Trout he has an OPS of plus of 174 again people 100 is league average his is 174 Otani has an OPS plus of 134 as a batter and as a pitcher his whip is under one I'm telling you Shohei Otani is not a homo sapien he is not from this earth he came from some other galaxy Somehow the Angels managed to lose 14 games in a row about a month ago. The Angels fired manager Joe Madden, but right fielder, what, what's his name, Tyler Tyler Ward, he's been a revelation this season. But injuries, like Anthony Rendon, pitching issues. The team went through a, a incredible with these players. They went through a home run outage as a team. That means they couldn't hit home runs. They didn't hit a home run like in eight or nine straight games. There's just too many reasons why this team is so far behind the Astros. And it's disappointing because the American League West division is so top-heavy. And it's relatively weak. Well, that's the whole point of being top-heavy. What am I I talking about? Outside of the Astros, there's really no other team. Because the Athletics, they've actively been trying to get evicted from Oakland. So they can slum it over in Las Vegas. The Texas Rangers are in the middle of a rebuild. The Mariners have so many exciting young players. But they've actually also underwhelmed with, with so many weak teams in that division. The Angels are the most talented team outside of Houston. And if you have that much talent on your team, you should be able to feast on all these crappy teams in your division. But that's not the case. And here we are with the Angels eight games under 500. And unfortunately for Los Angeles Angels fans, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. After this weekend series against the Baltimore Orioles, the Angels are going to play the following teams for the next two weeks until the 23rd of July. Over the next two weeks with no break, the Angels are going to play the Houston Astros. They're going to play the crosstown rivals, LA Dodgers, and I'll let them borrow my jetpack. And then they finish it off playing the defending World Series champions, Atlanta Braves. That is a brutal two-week stretch of baseball for a team that is so far behind and has underwhelmed. Having to play the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Braves three consecutive series is the last thing that this team needs. And after those three series, the schedule actually gets easier. But by that time, the Angels are probably going to find themselves over 20 games behind the Astros. And God knows how many games under 500. I will say this. There is a chance that the Angels get into the playoffs through the wild card. 
because remember, we have expanded playoffs this year for the first time. I'm putting it out there in the universe. We're in Southern California, so we have to speak it into existence while cleansing our chakras and drinking a $40 bottle of juice we bought at Irwan. <laughs> on, on a serious note, we do want to send our condolences to the Los Angeles Dodgers family for the passing of Mike Brito. Mike Brito was with a team for 44 years, and he was the scout who signed Cy Young winner and absolute phenom Fernando Valenzuela. He also signed Yasiel Puig and Julio Rias, who's Julio, Julio, Julio Rias is one of the starting pitchers now for the Dodgers, and he signed a whole boatload of other Latin players for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we're thinking of Los Angeles Dodgers family, the Brito family, and you have to remember, if you're visiting or if you live in Southern California, you got to look good. And this week's sponsors will make it happen for you. Robert Hall. All of our garments are tailor-made for you, and what we sell is made right here in the USA. Our garments are made to last a lifetime. Enjoy savings of 20 to 40% this week only. When the value goes up, 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 and the prices go down, 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 Robert Hall this season will show you the reason. Go, go where the fashions are. Go, go where the savings are. Go, go to Robert Hall. I don't know if you can go to Robert Hall with your jetpack, but we're going to go back halfway across the country in our balloon UFO slash jetpack one last time to Chicago. And I want to talk about this week's segment, the Houdini Watch. There's that guy. That guy that you used to see on your team or another team all the time. You forgot about him, and then he randomly pops up in a game that you're watching. This week's Houdini Watch goes to the Chicago Cubs right-handed relief pitcher, Michael Givens. By the way, people, he actually spells it. Well, not him. I'm sure his parents gave him the name. His first name is not spelled the traditional Michael way. It's actually spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L. Michael Givens. I saw Michael Givens pitch against the Atlanta Braves on the 17th of June when he was at home in Wrigley Field. And I love that. If I remember this correctly, he actually hasn't given up a run since in like almost three weeks when they when he pitched against the San Diego Padres back on the 14th of June. Michael Givens actually went to Plant High School in Tampa, Florida. That high school is almost a baseball factory. They The New York Mets first baseman Pete Alonzo has graduated from there. Hall of Famer Wade Boggs went to Plant High School. And the Houston Astros right fielder Kyle Tucker also went to Plant High School in Tampa. Florida is a perfect place to out to to out to play outdoor sports all year round. And of course, this is when people from California say, no, it's California. This is when people from Texas say, Texas is just as great. Louisiana says, don't forget about us. Georgia says, this is the best place to play outdoor sports, football, baseball, what have you. And that's why so many of these college teams are so good, whether it's baseball, football, I don't know, field hockey. I don't, I don't really follow field hockey. Anyways, this is not a debate about the South. I'm going to tell you that Michael Gibbons made his debut with the team that drafted him, and that's the Baltimore Orioles back in 2015. Gibbons is a middle e- he's a middle innings reliever, and I've always liked him. I don't know why, but I've just I've watched him so many times with the Baltimore Orioles, and I was like, I just like that dude. Aesthetically, I love the easy arm motion that he has. He throws from a low angle, a low angle, from a low arm angle, and he's not a he's not a submariner, but he just has a distinct he has a distinctive way of delivering the ball, and I just love that Michael Givens style. And believe it or not, people, Michael Givens was part of the last Baltimore Orioles team that was in the playoffs back in 2016. Yes, 
the Orioles were actually good from about 2012 to 2016. Baltimore Orioles fans, there is hope, my friend. Michael Givens played with the Orioles during for three different playoffs appearances, and they actually, the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles, won the monstrosity that is the American League East Division in 2014. And then after that postseason in 2016, the Orioles slowly started tearing things down. No more Adam Jones, no more Darren O'Day, no more Manny Machado, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when the Orioles were starting to tear things down, I actually wanted the Atlanta Braves to trade for him, but that never happened. And about a month ago, Michael Givens, he spoke with reporters and he talked about his time in Baltimore or how he feels about it. And he said, quote, there's a lot of moving pieces over there. I hope for the best. I hope the best for them. But at the same time, I like being a Cub and like what they're doing. Everything has been very established in the big leagues about how they go about their business, end quote. Givens is actually one of the Cubs' best relief pitchers this season. But since the Cubs aren't making the playoffs, there's always rumors that Givens is going to be traded away this month. And the Cubs have needed Michael Givens because their starting pitchers haven't been good, but their relief pitchers, weirdly, have actually been pretty good. Overall, the the Cubs pitching staff, they've walked the eighth most batters. That's the worst thing you can do. You're just inviting people on base. They've walked 275 batters this season. And they've given up the third most home runs, 114 home runs. Almost as bad as the Washington Nationals. So the Cubs, like I said, they're not making the playoffs. You know that. I know that. Michael Givens knows that. They're in fourth place in the National League Central Division. They only have 34 wins, 49 losses. They're 12 and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. I do hope that Givens is traded to a contender. Again, I like him. That man should be pitching in the playoffs. I don't know what the Cubs will look like over the next two or three years. I don't like their starting pitching. They're probably going to trade Kyle Hendricks, maybe their catcher, Wilson Contreras. And Baseball America ranked the Cubs, the Cubs minor league system, 15th, which is right in the middle of the pack. There's no hope this year. There's little hope for the Cubs next year. And the only thing in the future is hope. If you're constantly trading away the handful of good players that you have and there are and your my league system is not weak it's just meh i don't know what chicago cubs fans have look can look forward to except replaying their world series dvd championship stuff <laughs> from two from what is it 2016 there may be little hope for cup for cubs fans but we're always hopeful for more listeners and i want to thank a few new listeners from Dover, Delaware, Prague, Czech Republic, and let's just say somewhere in the Middle East. We don't want to say where, just in case it's illegal to listen to American baseball podcasts. <laughs> I don't know why, but you never know. People are different in this world. Thanks for listening to us when we talk about baseball, drinks, Robert Stack, and everything else under the sun. Follow the podcast on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. A picture of my drink will be on our social media account. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.